0: Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. All right, Hannah, Brian, how are we feeling today? Ready for just some discovery training? Absolutely. Yeah, we're ready. Yeah. yeah, I mean, either. Well, for everyone here who's trickling into the room, you are in great hands. Could not be more excited to chat through all of these discovery questions, these frameworks that our guests are going to share. Um, if you're coming into the room, be sure to put in the chat where you're located. Love we'll to hear where you're at. Um, but basically today we're going to be giving pretty much a masterclass on how to close more deals with effective discovery questions. So we'll jump into the content a little bit more later, but walking away from this call, you're going to have specific frameworks you can use to create your own questions. You're going to have specific tried and true questions from our two experts here that you can implement into your sales cycle and a better understanding of how you can implement discovery through the rest of your sales cycles instead of just having it as a stage at the beginning. So we will get there but first let's see where is everybody um uh, vancouver canada texas boise boston pakistan awesome oh we got another chicago brian los angeles with the sunshine emoji yep <laughs> love it freezing in copenhagen yeah milo hannah can commiserate we were just chatting about how how cold and dark it is in some parts of the world so Thank you all for tuning in. I know it's all different times, but you are here to better yourself and your sales career and your skills, and uh, we promise to make your time worth it today. So let's jump into our speakers. Um, I am sure that they need no introduction, but up first, we have Hannah Echikawo, CEO and founder of Revenue Funnel. She has years of experience training sales teams, um, specializing in discovery. So this is going to be a really, really good conversation from all of her experience and things she's seen across a bunch of different orgs. We also have Brian Lamana, senior mid-market AE, and one of the top AEs at Gong. Brian has created so much valuable content on LinkedIn and his own courses, which we can chat about later. But he has a ton of experience both putting these tools into practice and also teaching them. So, can't wait to jump in. Um, just right off the bat, favorite all-time discovery question, Hannah.
1: Oh, favorite all-time. Um, I would say, um, can I do two? i just do one. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so I like to just work out if someone's going to do something or not. So I like to ask them, um, you know, what do the circumstances need to be in order for you to uh, take action on this thing that we're discussing? So I love that because sometimes um, if they don't want to take action, you get an answer that tells you that. And if they do, you find out why. So
2: I find it's a bit of a win-win-win.
0: A love it. Brian?
2: Everyone, Hannah. Uh, mine that immediately jumps out is I typically ask more like mid-cycle or later cycle, but just trying to have more of like a human moment. So I might ask it like even towards the end of the call, but I'll say something like, hey, Sydney, like I just want to thank you. Like I know you've put a ton of time and investment into evaluating Gong last three or four months. Might be a silly question, but like, why is this so important like for you personally? Uh, and I'm, I'm always amazed at the answers I get back. Sometimes it's they're chasing the next promotion. They're, you know, looking for a new initiative, things like that. So I'm um, just peeling back, uh, getting away. I think sometimes we focus a lot on business pain and we will today for sure, but trying to just understand the human behind as well.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, that's a recurring theme we're definitely going <laughs> to sorry touch on. So thank you for sharing. And Hannah, we will come back to your second one. So keep that locked in there. Um, Since you're here, you probably already know that we do these shows every day dedicated to helping you sell better um, in all the different realms. So I know tomorrow we have a great show coming up on um, sending better cold emails, but be sure to scan this QR code. Check us out at sellbetter.xyz, see what's coming up, pick and choose a few um, to make some progress on before the end of this year and help you start really strong next year. Also, none of this would be possible without our amazing sponsors. So today we have JB Sales and Aligned. Um, for a drop of the day, be sure to check out the link in the chat for Aligned. They're a collaboration platform that helps reps stay on track and close deals faster by building a strong case with their champions and getting multiple stakeholders on board. So a really powerful tool, be sure to check that out. Um, as we jump into today's agenda, we'd love to hear who is in the room today. So we're gonna send out a poll, are you an SDR, are you an AE, are you a frontline manager? Just wanna make sure we focus on the right part of the funnel as much as possible. Um, But in today's show, we've got quite a bit to to talk about. First, we're going to start with the actual ways you can create value with your questions. So we are going to give you some specific questions, but we also want to teach you how to create your own questions. So what do you need to keep in mind as you're creating these questions? What are some specific things we're trying to find out about our prospects? What are some core kind of theories you can take with you through to customize into your own sales cycle? Next, we're going to talk about those specific questions to add to your flow kind of broken down by stage in the funnel. And finally, we're going to talk about the idea that discovery really is a process and not just a stage in your sales cycle and how to make sure you keep it top of mind and keep doing discovery through the whole thing. So before we jump into it, just remember if you have any questions, um, we're going to save some time at the end for that. You have two incredible minds here. Um, so be sure to put those in the Q&A box and we'll save some time to answer them as we go. So. Just to start us off, um, Hannah, what is the mindset you need to have when it comes to thinking about discovery questions? Like, what is the actual point of discovery?
1: Yeah, um, <clears throat> so I'll, I'll start by saying what discovery isn't um, and, and then just shift mindset. So some may disagree, but it will make sense. Now, discovery isn't just a salesperson's opportunity to qualify if somebody is like worth talking to. Uh, we, we have to shift that mindset, particularly over the last few years, because discovery is mostly about, uh, you know, you got the sales person on this side and you got the buying organization on this side, really trying to work together to see if they can solve for a desired outcome. So, hey, uh, my company wants to do X by, by Y, um, you're one of four, you know, organizations that I'm reviewing and I want to engage with. So the, the the first shift in mindset is to work out how do you get to a place where you are, it's a two way street and you have to collaborate in order to work towards something. So, so, that, so that's kind of the first thing with regards to like what discovery is. So that shift in mindset is going to allow you to invite your buyer or prospect into the journey rather than you like them sitting there, guard up, armed, armed up, and you're just kind of like peddling questions at them. And they're like, all right, I'm done. I'm out, right? <laughs> so, so that's kind of the, the, the way in which I think about discovery.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic context. Brian, um, I know you have similar viewpoints on it from what we talked about in the pre-call, but is there anything you'd add to that?
2: Yeah, I think uh, to Hannah's point about what uh, Discovery is not, it is it is not just a sales stage. I think uh, we should almost revolt all 140 people on on the Zoom today that it, we should get it renamed because I, I think it puts... Sellers in a position where they're trained in their 1st A eight-year-old or first sales job. 164 good call. It. <laughs> the discovery is just this stage, and that once you're done with that piece, you're you're done, right? When you're in the demo, when you're doing exact presentations, uh, to me, discoveries, it's a never-ending process. The uh epitome for every deal, kind of the mecca of where I try to get to, is where I can more clearly and concisely articulate their problems and challenges better than they can. And the only way you're going to be able to accomplish that is by talking to not just one person, but but multiple people, not just on one call, but on multiple calls throughout a cycle. So it really is never ending. Um, It's always a work in progress. I think that framing piece, it has to start with that mindset shift uh, to what Hannah said.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. I I love that being able to describe it better than they can. Um, I I know you know you might be hearing this and thinking okay yeah that sounds great but like how do we actually do that um we have a really useful framework here that hannah has shared when we're thinking about buyer motivation and what we're trying to get to the bottom of pretty much no matter what you're selling it's kind of going to come down to these three things like someone's dealing with one of these things and that's why they're reaching out hannah can you tell us a little bit more about these three factors yeah so um so this
1: is what you're going to find is if you if you follow chet hoes and you follow uh you you actually invest in Really being a student of sales, you'll recognize that at any given time there's about five percent of organizations that are in market to to solve a problem that you believe you solve. Uh, so they're actively out here now in most cases they've got an issue so something in their process in their business in the way in which they're working is just broken so um, and that's why they're so active they're they're requesting the the demos they want calls they seem very sure they're not always keen to to go through your stages they just want to get to the point where they can buy something Now that's great right? But they've also reached out to to your four other competitors and it's kind of like f- fastest finger first. Um, but most companies are actually in the stage of having a challenge or an opportunity. So a challenge is like a hurdle or an obstacle inside a process or inside their organization, where it's like they are they have a level of discomfort. They kind of know that it's a pain in the ass, but they're like, yeah, I can live with it. Okay. So they they usually have this semi-latent thing that's beneath the surface. They kind of know about it, kind of feel it sometimes, but it's not stopping them from doing what they need to do, maybe slowing them down. And then you have opportunities. Opportunities is where everybody is right now with AI. I want to understand how AI can impact my sales team. I want to understand what AI can do for marketing and copywriting. And I wanted to speed up research and I wanted to create an email for me. And then you have these conversations with people and they're like, where do they go? Like, we had a great demo. Where Where are they gone? And it's because it's something that they haven't felt yet. It's aspirational. It sounds great, but there's, there's not that much pain. It's like, there's, there's not that much of a thing that's stopping them. It's just like that sounded like a good idea. I have to check it out because it's part of my job, but thanks, but no thanks. I'll get, get to it uh, in the future. And there was actually some research on this by stage two capital. Mark Roberta shared it earlier on this year where 200 really big global enterprises, um, got like uh, uh, requests from startups who, who um, have invested in AI, and they sent all of their pitches. This is what we're going to be doing for like go to market and stuff. And then um, not one of the enterprise teams took up the demo, the free pilot, because they were like, that was like a great opportunity, but I'm just going to stick to what I'm doing now. So you want to get to a place when you're speaking and trying to identify needs with, with prospects where they have challenges, like try to figure those out as quickly as possible because they're gonna turn into issues at some point. You can only sustain a challenge for so long. If you've seen my videos and you follow me, you'll see that I talk about um, an iPhone charger, like most of our iPhone chargers free and, um, and we just use them until they break and then we're like, oh God, I need to go and spend a dollar and buy a new one, right? But we do hang on till the very end. That's what your prospects are doing, all right? So use the, I call it the ICO framework, uh, issue, challenge, or opportunity. Opportunity sound great, get lots of meetings, but try to find the challenge. And then hopefully try to find the bigger issues.
0: Amazing. Yeah, I think that is such a useful frame to try and figure out when we're asking questions, what are we actually trying to get to the bottom of and what actually drives action from our buyers? So Brian, I know something we you talk about a lot is kind of earning the credibility and earning the right to ask these questions. So let's say you're trying to figure out how to get to the bottom of that ICO framework. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how you build that credibility, what sort of prep work you do, how you make sure you're showing up to the table and giving the prospect an experience that they know is different from the call you had right before that?
2: Yeah. And imagine you're a buyer in this case and it's your first call. You either came inbound, meaning you're actively interested in that solution or service, or it was done via outbound, maybe an SDR or yourself, cold, them, cold, um, cold email. They're They're open to checking it out. Prospects and buyers aren't showing up to those first calls being like, wow, I can't wait to answer 15 minutes worth of questions for Sydney or for Brian or for Hannah. So I think it's really, really key that you need to earn the right to do discovery. And the, the number one place I earn it is before that call actually takes place. I want to have done so uh, much in depth pre call prep that I understand their businesses their challenges, um, if there's anything recent with them in the news, their executive names, things like that. I'm going to spend 15 or 20 minutes, probably more investment than other sellers are willing to make. But I'm going to really leverage all of that in my questions in discovery to earn the right to say, hey, I've done my homework. I know that this is a strong fit and make sure that the framing is really incorporating all of those questions. So it doesn't just feel like Uh, what Hannah said earlier, just hitting them over the head with question after question after question, and it's kind of going down the charts.
0: Love it. Yeah. I I think a really important takeaway here is that you're not showing up to every call and being like, all right, here's my 10 questions, ask them, like not even regarding what the prospect is saying. Something that, um, I've been focusing a lot recently is realizing that for a lot of tools out there, like you have definitely some differentiators from competitors. But at the end of the day, you know, all this deep in depth product knowledge, but your prospect doesn't. So if they schedule five demos for the same sort of solution, they're probably going to see similar things from all of them. And the experience that you give them and the kind of personalized attention and actually understanding what it is that they need, that's what makes the difference. Like I, um, one of the like best compliments I've had so far, like as a seller was when somebody said, wow, like you're the first one who actually took the time to understand what we needed instead of just trying to say here's what it is. So I love that you give like the framework to actually do that. Um, I'd like to jump over here. So rules for demo like discovery questions in general. Um, so we kind of understand now how to get to the bottom. Like what are the things we're actually asking questions for? Like what are we trying to learn? What is the prep work that we need to do? would love to chat through some of these points of how do we make sure the kinds of questions we're asking are the right one. So Hannah, can you help us understand a little bit more about why closed-ended questions are not really going to be useful in this scenario?
1: Um, I mean, closed-ended questions are going to be useful when you're trying, when you've gathered a lot of information and you need to narrow it down. So you mm-hmm. can kind of like, it's almost like creating a cutoff point. You've tied a bow and you're like, okay, next, right? But if you're asking closed-ended questions, you're not giving anybody an opportunity to um, to explore or elaborate or go into any great detail. And, and sometimes you can ask questions without it being a question, right? So you think about your tonality, you think about your intonation and the way in which you say that, sometimes just going, hmm. And someone's like, okay, you made me feel so uncomfortable, I'm just going to keep talking. So, so we don't, we don't want it, to, it's not about never using closed ended questions, it's about really being like strategic in where you place them, because sometimes it, you can just be going on a tangent like, okay, so, th- so am I correct in thinking this is what is going on, yes or no? Yes. OK, perfect. <laughs> Let's move on.
0: Getting confirmation. Gotcha. Yeah. And I love what you said about kind of taking a pause. I know that's something that you mentioned here as well, Brian, is like got to kind of let them fill in the blanks um, for people who maybe struggle with that, which I know I have in the past. It's like you just want to keep asking questions. And if there's a little bit of a pause, you want to fill the silence. How do you train that muscle?
2: really great question I, I do measure it. Uh, I record my own calls through a tool that some people have probably heard of but uh, even if you don't have that like just doing little things, um, I'll keep my hand behind my back, I'll take my hand off the computer mouse so I'm not clicking around moving things. If they're talking, I might you know go for a quick water break while they're talking and just let a little awkwardness kind of roll out it, it turns out that if you give folks that extra second or two, Oftentimes, you don't have to ask that additional question. They would have just continued on in conversation, continued sharing whatever they're elaborating on. So I know we're all used to it in our daily life of, you know, when you're with five friends and, you know, you have to almost start talking before Sydney stops talking to get in a word sometimes, but it just can't be that way over Zoom calls or with buyers.
0: Super powerful stuff. Yeah, no, that was amazing. Even when you stop for half a second to take that sip of water. I was like, oh, should I I say something? Um, But it sounds like, um, because we hear a lot, right, like when you're cold calling, it matters more kind of how you say it than what you say. It sounds like it's similar here, like it matters how you ask these questions. So at the end of the day, there, yes, there's a lot of strategy you can use and we'll jump into the specific questions in a moment, but it sounds like there's not like a silver bullet question that's always going to get you the answer they want. It's like how you facilitate the conversation and kind of make the, the prospect feel heard, which we touch on on this point. So um, the importance of framing your question for them, like not just for you and trying to hit your quota. Hannah, do you have any advice about how to do that? Like putting it in their own language? So for, I said this day, but firstly,
1: please stop sending out meeting invites that say discovery call. It I'm like, what does that even mean to your prospect? Like they're gonna have like five, Meeting invites. I say discovery call. Like, what what does that even mean, right? Talk directly to what you've uncovered. So, if you have done the pre-call research um, that Brian's talking about, you've got you just put that in the the invite, right? Like, so, uh, growing EBIT by EBITDA by five percent. That that's a meeting that I don't want to cancel. What what? Who is this? What what meeting do I need to go to, right? So, be very specific with that. But when it comes to um, framing the question, use uh, and using their language. Um, you're only going to be able to do that if you've asked a question that allows them to elaborate. So then you can actually pick and choose the the um pick and choose some of the terminology that they use. So one thing that I always say to reps is if you find that sometimes when you get into meetings, you're like, particularly discovery calls, you're like, I don't even know where to start. Um, think about everything being a cycle or a process. So no matter who you are talking to, there's gonna be a start and an end to something that they're trying to do, right? So um there's going to be, and, and inside that process, there's going to be something that's a bit broken. There's going to be issue challenges and opportunities, right? So, when you are talking to that senior leader or you're lucky to get someone on a call and you're asking questions, you say, Listen, for me to help you in this case and me not just speak for half an hour, I just want to understand a bit more about how things currently work, specifically what you called out in that email, in that response, in our initial call where you said X, Y, and Z. So, just before we get there and we talk about me, just take me to that point because. Sometimes they won't even say, like, start sharing their critical priorities because they want to see where, you, where you're at. Like, I don't want to go and kind of pour out my, my heart to you yet. Let me see if you understand anything. So as they start to share, share, well, you know, I've got 10 people in my team. This person does this and that person does that, but I'm not really able to understand the way in which this happens. So I need more visibility. You're like, okay, cool. So how do we get to that part? How do you currently do that? So you need to, that will help you just understanding there's a start and a finish and then just trying to figure out like how does it work? And you'll be able to un- identify the questions that you need to ask. So I think sometimes um, don't feel like you have to be like, yeah, but Brian said that one question. I'm just trying to figure out like, when do I get to that one question, right? Just think about process and take your time and just try and, try and get from start to the end. And you'll, you'll be able to ask questions quite easily.
0: I think that's a fantastic segue into talking about some specific questions um, and kind of frameworks that we recommend for asking those questions. But an important point going into these is that like, OK, write every single one of these down and try and like force them into your process. Um, there is a time and a place for them. And if you are actively listening and kind of adapting to the conversation, then you'll kind of know where to fit them in. Um, also, before we jump into that, I see we have a few questions in the Q&A. Be sure to keep adding those if you have any more. We'll have some time at the end to walk through those. So, Brian, if you can start us off, um, you have this great framework for kind of a first question on that first call when you're meeting the prospect, and this goes into the research you did, but can you walk us through this question, why it works, what people need to keep in mind when they're doing something like this?
2: Yeah, it's what I alluded to earlier with inserting some of your pre-call prop and earning the right to do discovery in framing and positioning the questions for them so that it's not just a checklist. So I might say something along the lines of you see an example down there. but if I was talking to you, Sydney, I'd say, hey, Sydney, um, you're six months in as a new AE deal. Uh, this is your you know, second AE role and XYZ I saw from the website. Curious in your world, uh, as you aim to finish up the year strong, what are the top strategic priorities you have to nail here in December and into early next year? It's just a completely different question than like, Hi, Sydney, what are your top two to three priorities? Or what's keeping you up at night? Like you'll just get a completely different response. It's just inserting a, a couple quick nuggets. And I do have that written out, I do have that prepped. And if you ask that first question and you get a minute, minute and a half response versus a, a 10 second response where they're kind of annoyed, completely changes the course uh, of how you're going to go about discovery the rest of the call.
0: Amazing. Hannah, is there anything you would add to that? Like do you go about your first questions in a different way or does it look a lot like this?
1: Um yeah, I I I lean into my personality a lot. I'm at a place where I'm really comfortable. So um so I I always I I that kind of initial question, um, I'll always have had done the prep, right? Like, a bit like what Brian is saying. I will have make sure that I've got like my own kind of viewpoint on where they're where they're at. So I always develop a hypothesis. I don't think there's ever been a call really that I enter in without thinking, Who hmm, like, what's my perspective on this? It could be wrong, it could be right. Doesn't that's literally besides the point. It just needs to be like show that you have thought about thought about the situation. Uh, so I there's different ways to ask this question as well, because people, particularly senior leaders, as you go up, they'll have critical priorities, but they'll also be like, where are you spending most of your time? And sometimes it's a lot on those because they're just getting dragged left and right, and that could be a sign as well. I should be focusing on this, but I'm actually spending too much time down here. And we're like, boom, challenge, right? Because now we know that if they don't hit that critical priority, that's an issue. So I, like, I'm like i always in that kind of triangle of, of of figuring out like where that is. So I'm really keen to understand more about, of course, what brought people here? Uh, why is this important? Why is it top of mind of all these competing priorities? What makes this the thing that you want to focus on right now? Um, because everyone's doing a million things. I'm a business owner. I've got a team. I'm doing a million things all the time. And not all of them are the right things. (laughs) So if someone asks me good questions, they will reveal that I probably need to solve a lot of problems. But in most prospects case, they don't get asked good questions. So they don't get that time to like really unpack, like just unpack all of the things that are going on in their world. So where Brian was talking about understanding what things mean to them, understanding why they're focusing on that, contextualizing the question a bit like what the example he showed. That's like, yeah, that's spot on
0: um there is actually another great question i wanted to show kind of around that like understanding the priorities so digging a little bit deeper right you've had that first question maybe they're really happy because they haven't had a good question in a while and they kind of throw a bunch of things at you um brian how do you make sure that what they're here to solve is actually like the main thing that you can help them with because i know sometimes people will come in with a problem but if you don't really discover that it's not their main problem they can ghost you in the future and that leads to all sorts of other things so can you walk us through these questions and kind of how you approach them?
2: Yeah, that, that could be a whole nother session if, if you go down that. But uh, the what's in pink there is is the the first key. So if Sydney just gave me a ninety second response back about how um, they're trying to speed up their sales cycles, they are uh, adding a new BDR team and they're also launching a new product and gave a really extended answer. I'm going to re- repeat it back and try to say it even more concisely. So I'll say something like, hey, just to make sure I have that right, Sydney. It sounds like sales velocity, building a BDR team, and this new product launch are are some of the most important areas in your world. Do I have that right? They'll confirm it and then I'll start to get them to kind of stack rank and power rank. And I'll say, hey, Sydney, like obviously all of those sound like are super critical to, to next year and some of those revenue and growth targets. But if you had to go about like power ranking them, like what's number one for you in terms of like most mission critical as you think about revenue. So getting them to, to kind of start to prioritize that and then digging in the why behind it, you start to peel back the layer. You know, how did you determine that was the biggest priority? How are we going about measuring that today? Without a solution like us, what's your plan? A lot of it flows from there, I found, as long as you start the conversation at a higher altitude and a little bit more strategically.
0: Yeah, love it. You can just see like how differently this conversation would go. Like what you said at the first one of like, all right, so what do you care about? And then I guess this one wouldn't even be there. It's like, okay, cool. Let's move on. You know, like that actually fact check those a little bit. And sorry, I meant to say beforehand uh, um, about bringing some sort of a hypothesis or a perspective to the table. Um, from what I've seen, people really like to correct people, you know, so either you nail it and they're like, yes, she did her homework or like, actually, You know you have the the basis right but we actually care about something else and they'll want to correct you so it's a good way to get engagement either way so that's that's awesome um and then yeah so this is a little bit more learning what their current situation is because a lot of times we come up against the status quo of like okay this is a problem like why are they reaching out now to solve it um hannah how do you go about getting that information of okay so we understand this is your top priority this is what you're here for Understanding what they've done to solve it before, where they might have run into issues. Um, these questions or other ones, we'd love to hear your feedback.
1: Yeah, so it's um, so I I see the whole like discovery thing a bit differently. So I always talk about the the, the broader discovery framework, right? And then you kind of work out where you need to be with regard to your question. So you have to remember at any given time, even when you're someone has either requested a demo or requested the call, or you've reached out to them and they've confirmed it. They're going to be in different stages of their buying journey, mm-hmm. but, uh, so, and it's and it's critically important to understand that because that changes the the whole nature of the kind of discovery you're doing, right? So I can see some questions coming up in the Q and A. So one question that you'll see me post about probably a thousand times in the last three years is um like, hey prospect, if I was going to put this on a scale of like one to ten, where would you say you are in really understanding what this means to your organization, reviewing it, discussing it? and and they will and it's just a way of taking a subject subjective matter and giving it a bit more objectivity so you can say like they might say like oh it's a, it's a free um i guess that's early and you're like yeah, okay so what does that mean well we've had some meetings internally um it's been kind of going on for like 6 7 months and you're learning as they're telling you these things and um not much has been done so you're like, okay, so would you say that the company is in a place where they've agreed to do something about it? Or are you still really trying to work out what it means to your organization? I oh, know, I haven't even spoken to that the, the hires up. I'm just really in my team trying to figure out like putting the data, extracting the data. Now you're like, okay, so I need to help these guys. I need to educate them on like the impact. I need to galvanize them to continue moving forward. On the other hand, you're going to have people, and this is where most prospects sit when they're coming to us and they're agreeing to calls is like in that review load. Yeah, you know, we looked at Gong and we looked at a couple of other providers and um, we've had some demos and you reached out just at the right time and you're like, oh my God, pipeline commission. Like, It's not actually a good thing when they're that far down the sales process, right? That's where you start having to send proposals on a Friday night and then they're like, yeah, we didn't go ahead. So um, so in that review stage, it's more a case of you trying to build credibility to say, I, I want to earn the right to be part of your review process because you seem so far along. And then we're asking more questions, a bit like what Brian was talking about. Like, how did you get here? Like, what was the source of you discovering that this is something that you should spend time on? Who's involved? Who owns it? So even though we're power ranking stuff, like I could say a product launch, hiring somebody and uh, I don't know, releasing a new product. That was two things, (laughs) but three things are important to me. But if you ask questions like, who owns the product launch? Oh, that's not me. (laughs) Look. That's someone else. So all of a sudden you've got, oh, it's only one thing that you care about that you're actually in control of. So if you understand where someone is in their buying journey, first thing is you're going to ask better questions. Now, I don't know for for those of you who have had a lot of discovery calls, but you may find a way to tell tell where they are. is If you've asked lots of questions and they can't really answer them. So you're like, okay, so like tell me who you're reviewing. They're like, I don't really, I I'm just, just my boss just sent me here. This is the first call I've had. And you're like, okay. Uh, so like, what does this mean to you? What's the ROI on this? And it's like, well, I don't really have, I don't know what that means yet. <laughs> we're just figuring it out. So if they keep saying, I'll come back to you and we're just figuring it out. And I'm not sure they're really early on. So when they say, please send me a proposal at the end of the call, do not send them a proposal at the end of the call. Cause they're not, they can't buy anything. So understand where they are, um, ask questions to, to support them where they are in their buying journey. And you'll find that you'll have stronger qualified opportunities in your pipeline.
0: Wow. That is honestly fascinating. I love that perspective on things, making sure you're understanding where they're at. Again, like personalizing the process and not just taking what they say at face value. Um, Brian, kind of speaking of that, I know you talked a little bit before about um, specific questions towards the end of the cycle, but when we're, you know, we're going to touch on in a moment how discovery needs to kind of continue again through the whole sales cycle. But when you're getting towards the end and you're not just trying to get that initial discovery of if they're a good fit for you, you've gone through a lot of calls with them, they're evaluating you. How do you make sure they're actually serious about moving forward? And I love these two questions here if you kind of chat through what that looks like and how you implement them.
2: Yeah, I think the reason why I ask these is you need to continue to validate that whatever you just discussed for the last five or 10 minutes, I truly is the number one priority. I think there's more information than ever out there. Um, and you probably deal with this at a deal all the time. We deal with this at Gong, but maybe they come into the call thinking you do this narrow subsection, like hiring or call recording, but they weren't aware of everything else you do. So sometimes it can kind of silo discovery because they come in with that, like, Kind of tunnel vision on like exactly what they need, how they're going to solve it. So this will kind of help like take things uh, potentially a step back, which is actually a good thing. So I'll ask something like, "Hey, silly question, but like this seems like a really, really big priority. Like fast forward 90 days, it's March 31st. Are we okay if we haven't addressed this challenge yet of decreasing our sales cycles, or are we committed to solving this pretty much yesterday?" I'm amazed when I ask that question, probably 30, 40% of the time I get the answer of like, oh no, like March 31st, like that, that'd that be fine. It's clearly not their number one priority in life uh, and at their job if they're fine with it waiting another three, four five months. And it then allows you to open up the question of, okay, like appreciate you sharing that. What's even more important? What trumps that as a larger priority today? And maybe you uncover something that, uh, you know, you do help with that, you know. They didn't come into that call expecting, and you have a totally new conversation on that piece. And then I always like to ask kind of the um, the negative impact piece as well, I'm just uh, spreading a little bit of FUD, which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. It's a good kind of like segue into a demo before you showcase exactly how you solve that. But it's, you know, I hate to ask you a loaded question here, but it seems like this is super critical. Like what happens if we fast forward those 90 days and and this isn't fixed and it's still this problem of X, Y, and Z. And it's just curious to kind of hear like how they you know go about it. Usually they say something like, oh, my ass would be on the line or uh, you know, something to that magnitude. And you can kind of just like sit on it and, you know, keep a little bit of patience behind it. And it's a good segue to, to jump into a demo and showcase exactly how you can help.
0: I love these because I feel like they're questions that can be maybe a little bit scary to ask. One, because we don't, you know, if they tell us, oh, no, it's not that important, then it's like, ah, oh, damn, like, I guess it was off in my assessment. But also, you know, you're definitely like digging deep. And those are questions that the prospects probably aren't getting all the time either. So they're super powerful. And like that little bit of discomfort, I think is well worth getting a clear picture of their actual priorities. And then if they say, yeah, wait, no, this is actually super important. Then it's like, cool, we have aligned on that verbally, like based on this timeline, how can we proceed? So fantastic. And I think this is a perfect illustration of this fact that we keep talking about, um, which is that one, we've agreed. We've made a pact. Everyone on this call, it's no longer a discovery meeting. That's no longer a stage. You can tell your leaders. We said it's okay. We're discovery through the whole thing. Um, we got to jump into our questions in just a moment. Cause we have a bunch, but Hannah, if you could distill kind of all the things that we've chatted through so far into what is the mindset you need to have about discovery and how important it is to be able to continue it through the whole process.
1: Yeah, I think um, if so, if we go back to what we were saying about half an hour ago, where we said actually, um, discovery is a multi-step multi-step interaction that happens between buyers and sellers continuously because all you're trying to do is figure out can we still work together to solve this? Can we still work together to solve this? Are you still the right person? Because as you go as they go through their buying journey, they're learning more, and that's why we need to stop saying hey, just checking in, and we've got to be very deliberate and intentional. The meeting that you had, have you now? kind of assess that those other vendors may not be suitable based on all the things we mentioned, like very specific. And it's like, yes, okay, great. We're still in the game. Let's keep going. So you're continuously discovering because you need to be able to take the new information and then you're both kind of like qualifying the relationship to see, are we still able to work together to meet a desired outcome? Right? So, so uh, I know there's some questions that's come up around uh, like MedPick and stuff, which would be good to tap into. But essentially, if we have that mindset that we're always going to be learning and we're always going to remain curious to keep qualifying each other, then you will know that discovery can't just be one stage in your, uh, in your sales process. It's impossible.
0: Losing. Thank you for that. And Brian, I know you mentioned before, too, like things are always changing, right? So even if you get these questions answered in call one two months later in the evaluation, things will be different. So fantastic breakdown. Um, I do jump into these questions because we have a bunch. So the first one um, from Piero how do we make questions that help you as an AE to identify a problem and its impact without sounding self-serving or sounding like we want to make the problem bigger to charge them more? Ryan, do you have any thoughts on that?
2: It's a really great question for Sauce. Uh, I think a lot of it to me comes back to kind of the framing of how you position some of these questions. And if you ever do get the sense Uh, I like the saying, sense it, say it, right? If you get the sense from your buyer that they're getting annoyed or they're kind of confused while you're asking these questions, like provide a human moment and just say, hey, Sydney, like really appreciate you helping answer these questions. Reason I, I, I do ask a couple and I just have a few more is so that when I get to the demo, I can make this really personalized for exactly what you're hoping to solve. Is it okay if I ask two or three more and then we can hop into the technology? So just getting like almost like a mid call upfront contract to ask a couple more if you do need that and require that. Um, and yeah, framing it, if it's around like the impact piece, uh, sometimes what I'll share is like, hey, the, the reason why I'm asking some of these questions are on like where you guys are at today, where you're hoping to get it to and what that'd be worth is candidly, there's a lot of cheaper alternatives to Gong in the market. And I'd be more than happy to point you that direction. If ultimately what you're hoping to solve for isn't like um, what we categorize as like a strategic initiative for the business, there may be a better fit for you. Um, so I hope you can appreciate like where I'm coming from with some of these questions as well.
0: Yeah, amazing. So a mixture of like transparency and that human connection, showing them that you actually, you know, are a real person. You're trying to solve their problems. Um, Hannah, the next one is from Yaroslav. I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, but they're asking how do you really identify their budget like as a service business when they don't want to disclose it and they are telling me you do the quote and then we decide.
1: Then we don't work together. Like if you, if you, so, so here's the thing, right? So I'm a consultant, I'm in a service business, right? So I, I sell people, Like it's, it's people time and expertise. So, um, and in any conversation that you have You have to share, like, if you're trying to drive towards this desired outcome, you know, transform your sales organization, enable all your reps, develop all the tools, the resources that's going to allow them to have better conversations. um, It looks like this kind of investment. And I'll tell you why, because we need to make sure that we have the right people that can address that kind of thing. We're going to look for domain expertise inside your industry. And if they say, oh, we were looking at something different, then if you have an alternative offering, which is like something that doesn't require such a heavy resource then you can recommend that. So in um, Brian's case, he's like, I can just send you to a competitor. That's cool. Like it's not a problem, but we we have to get better at saying, I'm going to give you some indication here. It's likely to be between this and this. And um, I, I think we should also encourage junior reps to be able to have those conversations. Literally an SDR should be able to say, it's going to be between these brackets, but we need to find out more to make sure that of course um aligned. Um, I've given crazy brackets, like it could be 5k, it could be a million, I don't know. Like, because if someone's pressuring, pressuring you, but we we have to respect our time and don't spend too much time building proposals and just sending quotes, it, they just won't respond. It's, it's pointless. Yes.
0: So thank you for that. And we have a, a really related question from Rhonda. She says that you brought up a situation where you're engaging with someone, they lack the information, they need to address your questions, but then they ask to receive a proposal. How do you skillfully navigate and communicate that you're not ready to submit one at that time?
1: What does a proposal mean to you, prospect? When you say proposal, what is the question that you're trying to answer? Because sometimes it could be an email. It could be something else. It could be a video in their head. Like we just, we have made prospects ask for proposals. It's all of our fault. On this call, <laughs> I've been doing this for 15 years. They just think that that's the logical thing. So if they can't answer questions, just say, are, are you really in a position right now to to say yes to a proposal? I didn't think we were there yet. So what I can do is, um, if you're comfortable, let me share... Let me, let's set up a call with some of your additional team members. Let's just, I, I really, I'll just literally answer questions. That's cool. And then I'm, I'm more than happy to share a proposal. But what I really don't want to do is send you a proposal and then have to chase you for it. But I, I don't want to do because I, I will. <laughs> right? I'm a salesperson. It's my job. So, yeah, I, yeah, go for it.
0: Like a give and take, right? Like they have to show that they're serious about it by being willing to show up for this call and bring their extra stakeholders. or yeah. Just check that, just the
1: question, ask them if they're in a position to say yes to a quote. And often they'll say no. Then, okay, all right, so where do we go from that? Look the back of that.
2: cool. if I could uh, interject off off that same line, um, Hannah, that's a perfect response. I call that just like reversing. You basically turn it back on the other party and you run a little bit more discovery. Yeah, everyone guessed it. I do the same thing in like negotiation as well So somebody after a first call is like, oh, what can you do from a pricing standpoint?" I'll say, oh wow, like that's really exciting that uh it, it sounds like you know, you're asking for different incentives. Like, are you at the point where you're hoping to get started with gong and sign a contract? And they'll say, Oh no, we're not at that point yet. And then you can kind of reframe off that and say, Hey, totally understand and appreciate the ask as well, like sales to sales. Um, but uh typically what I found to be most helpful is I want to make sure you're fully bought into the value first and foremost. And you have my commitment. If the team's excited about the solution, we'll make sure that the numbers make sense as well.
0: No, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask next. I feel like this could turn into a circle of like, okay, but I need to know if I can afford it before I continue with the evaluation, you know? And I know you mentioned that a bit before too, Anna, like they're not that serious, so they don't have a number in mind that they can share. Um, but yeah, I have another question from Steve. Um, do you use a mutual action plan to test the priority of their challenges? Brian, if you want to take this one.
2: I do. I try to introduce it really early. Uh, There's a great sponsor for this show, uh, which is a lion that I know has some amazing mutual action plans. I'm a dinosaur and I use Google Sheets, uh, but you should probably use something like a lion. But I do try to introduce it early. I think most buyers, that they don't, Know how to buy necessarily, and they do want some guidance and a roadmap. I use the analogy of like if you go to the doctor. Uh, I don't want the doctor at the end to be like, "Hey, here's the problem." Like, what do you think, Brian? Like, what 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 <laughs> do you think? you should take. I want them to at least come with a perspective that, like, hey, typically in my experience, here's what I recommend, and then I can say no or revere them differently. But I think that's what a mutual action plan helps depict is not only the step you're at, but the next two or three steps that other chief revenue officers would typically take in your shoes here. Beautiful.
0: Um, I think we have time for one more question. This one is from Ashley. Um, Ashley asks, how do you tailor your first question or intro when it comes from an inbound lead, like an inbound demo request? So I think maybe if you don't have quite the same amount of like Intel on them.
1: Yeah. So it, you know, what it varies. I'll, I'll just share a quick one. I mean, I, I said earlier on, I, I lean into my personality quite a lot, but I, I, I try to in my own head, like just, I always just lean into what I'm feeling. So I'll often say like, you could have been a hundred places. If I couldn't find any information, like what made you think, oh my God, now is the time I need to speak to Hannah and find out all about, you know, go to market consulting. Like if you, if you lean into that, because you're like, I genuinely have no information. I don't, I don't get anything. And that happens sometimes. You get a lead through, you're like, I, I can't, I can't work this out just ask, like, be human. Why would you want to, why now? Why can you wait till after Christmas? Why did you want to talk about this now? And people be like, I had more time on my hand, oh, it's urgent. You'll find out. So don't, don't try to make it too complicated. It can just be as simple as, oh my God, why out of all things did you want to be here? And you'll be surprised. I've never had people be like, what are you all about? They're always like, ah, haha, and let's continue so.
0: Beautiful. Well, I wish we had more time. I know we have a lot more questions. I know everyone has loved your responses so far. I've learned a ton that I'm going to take away with me. Um, we have two incredible resources here, so they're both very active and create a ton of valuable content on LinkedIn. So check the links in the chat to follow both Hannah and Brian. Um, and Brian also has shared some really valuable, um, sales training and resources you can check out at the link in the chat as well. Um, but thank you both so much for taking the time today. Thank you everyone who joined the call. I know this is going to have a huge impact on your sales process as you can continue discovery through the whole thing. Um, be sure to come back tomorrow. We've got another session on cold emailing and yeah, check us out on sellbetter.xyz. We're on Instagram. We're on YouTube. We're on TikTok and we're just here trying to help you sell better. Thank you both so much for your time.
1: Amazing. Thank you. It's a pleasure.